0: real news. Welcome everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is October 22nd, 2019. And you know what? The news, unfortunately, is not about the news anymore. Is it, guys? It's all about what you're supposed to know, what you're supposed to feel, and what you're supposed to do. And the obfuscation of actual facts and real journalism is literally going down in flames. We have Idiots, you know, coming out with commentary, you know, uh, responding to people of. Uh, OK, let me take it back a notch, because I am so upset that no one is reporting about Pelosi and Adam Schiff's trip. Yet we see that Lindsey Graham flipped his script People are still kind of like, Oh, you know, he's corrupt. Yeah, we know he's corrupt right now. As, as you know, I'm talking to you. We have the house trying to maneuver the rules of voting. They want to meddle in our elections or what do they call it? Make it safe and make it righteous. We all know what they want. They want to know how many secretaries of states can we get on payroll to make sure we're elected? I guarantee you. And this happens nationwide. Your secretary of state, <laughs> elected officials in cities, especially important ones, you know they are handing out money they don't have for that. Now, everyone's talking about how Barack Hussein Obama was at an Alex Soros party. I told you about that yesterday. There was one in California that was held. And actually, the president of Italy was present, too. What? Like, uh, uh, How is the president of Italy hanging out with Alex Soros and Newsom? Tell me why the president meets, President Trump meets with the president of Italy, and then he goes and has a meeting with Gavin Newsom, hanging out with the Soros crowd. Yes, I have a picture. I'll tweet it out for you guys. So... I'll tweet it out during uh once I put a clip to run and I'm not talking. I'll tweet it out. So follow me on at Tor underscore says T-O-R-E underscore says. Just so you know, this is. Is pretty insane. We had Barack Hussein Obama in New York at another fundraiser. This is where they're getting money to pay for people. You know what they're, who they're paying? I'm telling you now, your secretary of state, your election officials, your election of your city, you know, the person in charge of collecting the ballots and doing it, that person, the people that are going to be counting the, ba- the ballots, those people, that is their plan because they No, that we are headed to an election. They know they probably can't impeach this president fast enough. So what do they do? We need to fix the election. We need to do something. So they're throwing all in to Tulsi Gabbard, you know, hoping that she can pull votes from here and there. It doesn't matter how many votes she pulls. President Trump is winning, period. Hands down. No Democrat, no, t- Tulsi is so flippy floppy, nobody can trust her. And the fact that Pod- Podesta endorsed her, like I told you guys yesterday, come on, man. Seriously, are we that dumb? We're going to follow and and vote a pedophile's choice? Seriously, though. Anyway. So what we have going on is that. But the Pelosi and Schiff trip, guys, I have sources everywhere. Uh, right now, my editor has a piece that I put out because I'm going to tell you about it. But when you find out what they did in Jordan, remember I told you it was a fishing expedition yesterday, right? Well, they actually committed quid pro quo. Uh, is it violation of the Logan Act? Is it because they went there negotiating so they can get dirt or get the king to say something on the record against President Trump? Now, I'm going to break down those details as well today. Uh, Same thing happened in Afghanistan. So first they go to a king. Totally awkward, by the way. So uh, a, um, a journalist there that covers the royal family told me it was the most awkward situation because they tried to get him to have sound bites like agree or say something. And. When the king took whiff of it, they realized that he was agitated. And then they started saying, oh, you're so great. You've been ruling, you know, Jordan for like 20 years. Guys, seriously, it was pathetic. So they went on a fishing expedition. Get this on our tax dollar to try to get the king to talk smack about our president on a public platform, promising him stuff. And I'll tell you what that stuff is. Well, they failed. So then they went to Afghanistan negotiating with the Taliban. Wait till you hear what they did there. So you know what really, really agitates me? Is that no one is putting this out there. I hate that I have to see my president every single day talking about his successes. I hate the fact that he's there saying we have record unemployment. Every single Republican out there should be doing that. And you know why I'm so agitated? Because in my state... No Republican came out to support a Republican that's under national fire. So state senator. So I'm going to talk about that, too. Like the Washington Post pinged me back from the article that I put out yesterday, kind of tongue in cheek on how rubbish this whole attack is on anyone who's Republican. And it seems like Ilhan Omar is protected at, you know, at any cost they will annihilate anyone that says anything about her it's just insane pure insanity so you know it 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 pains me to see this i am really really upset and you guys should be nagging every single one of your senators every single one of your congress get out there and say what an awesome job this man is doing why is no one doing that why is no one saying damn that president he totally re- built this economy damn that president totally rebuilt our military he's awesome he's done awesome for our nation Instead, they sit there with their hands under their butt and say absolutely nothing so infuriating so infuriating so what i want to tr- start with is um uh representative Jim Jordan talking impeachment with Lou Dobbs. Uh, so there's a little clip there that I want to play. Now I love Jim Jordan. Like I said, I would, and okay. So I said that I would like him for president, but the thing is he would have to need very strong support. So he'd be great as a VP. Let's put it that way. Because I want someone that doesn't care what anybody says. You want to throw egg in my face? I'll just wipe it off. I'm like, what is it? What is that stain guard thing that you could spray on your shirt and water rolls off and wine? I want a guy that's Teflon don just like our president. He's Teflon. He doesn't care. You 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 come at me? I don't care. You tell me that I did wrong? I don't care. He's unapologetic and he knows where he stands because again, if you stand for nothing, you will fall for everything. That's common rule, right? So here we go with this clip from Jim Jordan and um today is going to be pretty I mean you Just watch. I mean, the stuff you're going to hear, you're going to be like, well, why isn't anybody else talking about it? Exactly my point.
1: Fight against the radical Dems uh, for for years. He's the ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, member of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, Congressman, great to have you with us. Good to be with you, Lou. The vote, uh, I have to say, it was a strong statement, and I was very skeptical about it. But it was a strong statement today, and you guys ought to be proud of it. Yeah, every Republican voted
2: the right way, Lou, because they understand what's going on. They understand the unfair and partisan process that Speaker Pelosi and Adam Schiff are running. I've been saying this for I don't know how long, but think about this. They're trying to impeach the president of the United States 13 months before an election based on an anonymous whistleblower with no firsthand knowledge, who was biased against the president, who worked with Joe Biden. And that's that's their basis. This guy and oh, when the call happened. And this whistleblower gets information from somebody who leaked it to him. He writes a memo that says, oh, it was a terrible call, frightening call. But then he waits 18 days until he files the complaint. And just as the president was saying, guess who he runs off and sees first? Adam Schiff's staff. And nobody tells us that he talks to Adam Schiff's staff. Adam Schiff doesn't report it. And when the form that you're supposed to fill out when you're filing a whistleblower complaint, there's a box to check. Did you talk with people on Capitol Hill? This whistleblower failed to check that. So people see this for what it is, and it was good to see every single Republican vote the right
1: way tonight on the floor. And the, this, uh, this Intelligence Committee chair, Adam Schiff, is uh, back-channeling with two... Russian uh, disc jockeys, I guess is the way to describe them, uh, looking for dirt on the president of the United States, looking like the buffoon that he portrays in so many uh, of his official moments.
2: Yeah. I mean, go back to how this started. We were told by everyone, Adam Schiff, Pelosi, that, oh, there's this call where the president supposedly says, I'm going to hold up Ukrainian uh, security assistance money unless right. there's an investigation in the Bidens. And then we get the transcript and find out, wow, that didn't take place. In fact, everyone said when you read the transcript, even Democrat chairman, no quid pro quo. Then President Trump and President Zelensky meet and they say, look, no pressure, no linkage, no pushing, no quid pro quo. And then we have. The Special Envoy, Ambassador Kurt Volker, come and testify and he says the same thing. No quid pro quo whatsoever. But that doesn't stop them because they're bound and determined to go after this president. So they keep doing their investigation down in the basement of the Capitol where no one can get in and can see. No one gets to read the transcripts. They selectively leak information. They schedule depositions at the same time so that you can't be two places at once and actually question these people. That's the kind of investigation they're running. And American people, again, see through it. Understand
1: this process is unfair yeah, it's not only unfair it's a travesty and it's a pure uh, pure ignorance on the part of the radical Dems uh, and and look at them now Chief and Pelosi have run away to uh, to Jordan uh, and Afghanistan as if in a matter of a few hours uh, uh, discussion in both countries they will have a superior understanding of uh, yeah of Syria and Afghanistan I mean, it is preposterous what we're witnessing, and their conduct is just horrific. Yeah.
2: Look, I, I tell you who I want to hear from. When the whistleblower complaint, you look at the whistleblower's so-called whistleblower's complaint. Mm-hmm. On page one, bullet point one, he says, over the past four months, I have communicated with more than a half a dozen U.S. officials. That's what formed the basis of this complaint. I want to know who these people are. I want to know who the whistleblowers. To my knowledge, the only person who knows who the whistleblowers is and who these more than half a dozen people are who informed the whistleblower and informed the basis of his complaint yeah. is Adam Schiff and his staff. Why doesn't the American people get to know this? The people who supposedly had the first-hand knowledge who communicated with this so-called whistleblower. We're talking about impeaching the President of the United States, 300 and some million people in this country, and only Adam Schiff and his staff? gets to know who the individual well, and the handful of individuals who started this whole charade that we're now living through. I, I, well, I, think I presume that question. the
1: head of the CIA also knows uh, because, uh, in point of fact, they are CIA officers are or uh, are, are former CIA officers. And don't you find it interesting that the CIA keeps working its way in to this, uh, into the architecture of this absolute absurd fraud being perpetrated on the american people
3: yeah
2: the other person who may know too Lou is the inspector general I'd like to know, I'd like to know, what, I'd like to be. I have a chance to question this guy at some point as well and find out what kind of investigation he did and, and the people he got to talk to because we haven't got to talk to those people and the american people have no idea who these more than half a dozen as the whistleblower says who these individuals are who the whistleblower communicated with and then filed this complaint but again remember he didn't file this complaint until he or she didn't file yeah. this complaint, until they went off and talked to Adam Schiff and their staff.
1: Well, as the president pointed out, and I think profoundly, they never expected, Adam Schiff and all of his uh, Cretan friends, they never expected the president to release the, the right. transcript of that conversation. So despite everything else, all of the nonsense, all of the conspiracy and orchestration, the American people have right before their very eyes the transcript of that call And the question is, are you going to believe these partisan subversives or are you going to believe your lying eyes as you sit there reading it? The facts speak for themselves.
0: Uh, As the president
1: said, it was perfect. I will qualify that. It was near perfect. (laughs) Congressman, (laughs) great to see you. Thanks so much for all you do.
0: Okay, did you guys get that? So we have a lot going on. We have the CIA involved, right? And we're going to talk about that because I I have an article in draft about that too. Um, because a uh, very senior CIA official has been questioned by Durham and tons of people lawyered up and uh in the CIA. This is going to be this is huge, um and. It's kind of incredible, too, if you think about it, uh, how it's panning out. Uh, it is just a hot mess. They hopped and skipped away uh, for, uh, you know, a trip to Afghanistan and um, uh, Jordan. Last minute, no explanation, not a bipartisan delegation because Thornberry doesn't count. And it's just it's it's pretty. Curious, okay? And it's uh, um, frightening too. Uh, On that uh, note, I wanted us to kind of just shift gears and listen to what um, President Trump is telling us here. Give me a second.
4: Relatively speaking, of course, if you watch the fake news, it's like pretty, pretty wild. It's really holding. Uh, I've watched these pundits that have been working on this thing for 20 years. They've been working on uh, the Middle East for 20 years. They don't know what they're doing, and they're telling me what to do. They're saying, what did Trump get out of it? What did he get out of it? I'll tell you what I get out of it. We won't be fighting, and we'll bring our soldiers back home. They were supposed to be there for 30 days, and they've been there now for 10 years in Syria. 10 years. They were supposed to go in, do a quick hit on ISIS, and come out. Now, as far as ISIS is concerned, when I took over November 2016, ISIS was all over the place. I'm the one, meaning it was me and this administration working with others, including the Kurds, that captured all of these people that you're talking about right now. Because President Obama, it was a mess. And I was told, and you were told, and everybody told, it would be years before you ever did what I did in about a month and a half after I started. I went over to Iraq. I met with our generals. And we figured out a plan, and it was done within a month and a half. So I'm the one that did the capturing. I'm the one that knows more about it than you people or the the fake pundits. Uh, But I I sort of have to smile to myself. I was telling a couple of people, I'm watching these people that I've been watching for 20 years. I've been watching the same faces. They're just a little bit older and a little bit grayer. I've been watching them for 20 years saying about the Middle East, and they've been wrong on everything they've ever said. And now, all of a sudden, people are starting to say, you know, what Trump is doing is great. And we have tremendous, a tremendous power because since the election of 2016, November, since that beautiful day, uh, our country's picked up in value trillions and trillions of dollars of worth. Trillions and trillions of dollars. Numbers that nobody would believe. Numbers, if I would have said it on the campaign trail, I would have been I would have been excoriated by the fake media, excoriated. Uh, the numbers are far greater than anything that even I predicted. You. Hear-
0: okay, guys, let me just tell you something. You've been hearing him for the past, like, two minutes right now talking. And all you hear is him telling you what he's doing. Usually it's the media. Usually it's the GOP. Usually it's us that are applauding him. He gets none of that, guys. Three years almost. None of that. Doesn't that tell you anything? We are living in times that things are happening that you just you can't believe are happening, basically. It's just super incredible. I don't know how they're getting away with what they're doing. I don't know why they're getting away with what they're doing. But for me, it is the biggest, I I call it a pet peeve. I hate it that he has to announce what he does. I hate it that he has to keep applauding himself because none of them will do it. Yet when you had Barack Hussein Obama slaughtering people, they were like, his opinion, the polls show, and he has done this great thing. You know, did this. Look, Beyonce's at the White House. Like, they would not stop. And that's for every single president. 9-11 happened. You know, everyone rallied behind Bush. Yeah, they were critical. But then it was like, he's doing great. He did this. And then the Scooter Libby thing happened. Come on, guys. Like, let's give some more voice. What are those GOPers doing? And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something because we're going to kind of lean into this. (laughs) <laughs> Lindsey Graham, flipping the script, should tell you everything you need to know. They are so desperate, so desperate to get this man out of office that they are willing to negotiate with terrorists. Obviously, because the king spit in their face, per se. You know, figuratively speaking, not like did it. Now, I know, just like our president, who they didn't think would release the transcript. There are transcripts of the meeting with Pelosi and Schiff because there were interpreters and royal press and royal communications directors and, and, and. And now it is up to our administration to speak with King Abdullah of Jordan to get that information because what Schiff and Pelosi did is exactly what they were accusing our president of doing, but they did it shamelessly, shamelessly trying to underhand our president, shamelessly. It, 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 it it's so mind boggling that they have such, mm, I would say, lack of remorse for what they're doing. You know, if you think about it in the future, After President Trump is done with his term, a Democrat may become president. And that scares me. Because if we don't destroy this false Democratic Party, it's not even really a party. They're all communists. Pelosi's dad was being investigated as a communist. Her brother, one of the biggest mobsters, communist. These people are communists. This is why in our oath to the nation, when you come in, it's like you're not a communist. Communism is written into law to be like, you get out of the country if you're a communist. These are all communists. And you know what I, um, and I'm going to start, I'm going to leave this half hour before the break with this. I don't seem to understand how the Democratic Party who literally has no leg to stand on but corruption, lies, deceit, evil, disgusting, nefarious behavior, stay so solid together because they know that together they are stronger, <laughs> like um, what Hillary would say, yet the darn GOP, They don't support each other. They don't come out in supporting each other. I mean, we had Pelosi supporting Omar, who said some people did some things, which was atrocious. And yet she supported it. And here we don't have our own Republicans standing side by side, arms locked to support each other. That's because there are very few conservatives. This is why we need to vote them out. Lindsey Graham, Thornberry, Hoven. I can keep going. Cause all of these clowns have met with ISIS. All of these clowns are making tons of money from these wars. All of these clowns are all about spying, all about, you know, uh, regulation of, uh, citizens, all about this drone tech for spying, um, face recognition. You have to be paying attention. The reason that the Democrats stick together because they all form a straight hard line of corruption. They're there. You're down there, whereas Republicans has a mix. The Republican Party has actually good people and really bad Democrats that are pretending to be Republicans, like, you know, the Romneys, the Flakes. We can keep going, going McCainers, you know, all of these. So annoying. It is so annoying. I, I, I can't even. And you know what? They even ride the coattails of others. Like whenever I see Kevin Kramer saying me and Senator Hoven, I'm like, damn it! There goes Hoven riding a good man's coattails. This shouldn't be happening. We're supposed to be awake. This is the great... Wake up even... Like, what do you do? Are you drowsy? Are you groggy? We're up. Let's do this. Political lynching is exactly what they're doing. Didn't they, like, pass a law using that fake lynching hoax by Jussie Smollett? This is lynching. Literally lynching. They're abusing every single power that they might have vested in them against a sitting president, you guys. And none of these... Republicans are doing anything. And then you hear Lindsey Graham, which we'll play the clip later, flipping the script. So they got something. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what they got before anybody tells you what they got, because we need to be ahead of this stuff, guys. We need to share the life out of all this information. So that way they get caught. Right. Because we're having these transcripts. We're going to have them. And thank you, Esper, for going to Afghanistan because if asper didn't find out that they were globe trotting and making deals which they're not qualified to do oh my gosh i can't believe it and it's quasi official right they're quasi official but they can't sit there and say i'll give you votes to pass legislation on this if you do this that my friends is quid pro quo that is quid pro quo saying I'm not giving you money unless you show me it's going to do X, Y, Z is not quid pro quo because your money is delegated for that. So after this break, we're going to talk about this break, this non inability of the Republicans to mesh together and work together and stand united. And I'm going to demonstrate it from a little ho dicky North Dakota. It is incredible that no one has stood up to support their own. And and they're getting annihilated on a national platform and no one is saying a word. I mean, no wonder they're not doing anything for the president either. That's what sucks. It's everyone for their own skin. It's never about the people. It's about their pockets. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Um, I'm your host, Tory. So here is where we're going to discuss uh, just how um, not united the Republican Party is. Aside, you know, we notice that the Democrats will stand by their guy, their gal at any expense. They really don't care as long as they stay unified. And that's not something that the GOP does. And that tells you, uh, and I'm telling you why is because not all of them sit on the same side. A lot of them are fake, like Thornberry who joined Schiff and Pelosi on their fishing expedition. He's not a Republican. He's on his way out. And just like every single corrupt GOP, er, like our president said during his rally, they're all resigning or not going up for reelection. We're removing them or we'll forcibly remove them if they don't go. Now, uh, they're so united together that they are willing to massively dogpile on anyone who attacks their own too. And that includes the mainstream media. So, uh, over the weekend in the, the state of North Dakota, which is massive in size, but in population, it's only 700,000, right? And that's pushing it. There was a debacle that is driving people insane. Now we're on day three. Now it's become national. Okay. So there is a local state legislator in my city who posted, and all of you have posted that. I'm pretty sure. So did I. Uh, that picture of that Somali warrior with guns uh, that was working with ISIS that looks like Omar, I've shared that so many times because that could definitely be Omar. Not, it's not. It was like, I think from like the late 70s or 80s, totally looks like Omar, right? <laughs> and I shared it too. And and I've said, could be Omar. I'll share fake stuff and say could be true. I mean, it's true in the essence that she's an elected jihadi, that she is an elected terrorist, that she isn't who she says she is. So why not throw that in? So what he did was he shared this fake picture um and to drive conversation. Congresswoman at Al Qaeda training camp in Somalia. She's trying to get this big picture blocked everywhere. Share it everywhere. Yeah, all of us want to share it because we want to show that she's a terrorist. It's not really her. And the comments on that, you know, post that he had on his own Facebook were gold. I, I totally loved it. Everybody found it funny. But a blogger who claims to be conservative, right, was like super triggered, okay, super triggered for this, like so triggered. He wrote two different articles on two different days. And not only that, Heidi Heitkamp, who was the former senator of this state, her brother led the pack like, oh, my gosh, North Dakota lawmaker post bogus photo of Omar on Facebook. Okay, that photo has been around for like two years now circulating. This isn't news, but here's what they do when they see that there is someone out there that is making a difference that stands for something, no matter how big, how small they want to pull you out from the root and knock you down. So I decided, let me showcase this because it was Chris Berg from, uh, the Fox affiliate where he has this show called Chris, Chris Berg POV now. Who put this clip in? Listen to what Heidi Heidkamp, a Democrat, says on national TV, and no one bats an eyelash. Listen.
5: It's a third, a third, a third. A third thinks this is nonsense. It's all out to get the president. A third say, hang him from the highest tree. And a third say, we're winning.
0: Are you kidding? So she says that a third of people think it's rubbish. A third want to hang the president from the highest tree. And the other ones say, we're winning on impeachment. Are you kidding? So here we have a former senator of a state saying that in national TV uh, during this storm of let's kill the president, right? That's, that's it. Tom Arnold calling him a cocky traitor and uh simile to JFK, Hillary Clinton, simile to JFK, Barbara Streisand showing Pelosi's Louboutins impaling the president, theater killing the president, the billboard, everything is going there, they are want to remove him at any cost. You understand that, right? And they are normalizing such threats. And you know what happens when such threats are normalized? Where does secret service start? How do they start? How do they finish? How do they know what's credible and what's not? How do they know it's not just some clown sharing stuff and it's not really merited? They don't. That costs us money and it keeps us in constant fears, endless death threats and wishes of death against the sitting president, not only by your entertainment industry, your trolls, and your insane press people, but now from former elected officials and sitting ones, I'm just saying. So the bias of the mainstream media is easily demonstrated by the local media in the state of North Dakota, which is very little. I tell you, all the channels, CBS, ABC, uh, Fox the local ones, they all, like, if you look at their feeds, they publish the same articles with the same words. Complete mocking bird Press. It's copy-paste. Everybody does the same thing. There's no, like, difference. So the only thing is that they cover different volleyball or basketball games from high school. So anyway, so and they have different, like, weathermen and anchors in air quotes. So they're super biased because the mainstream media um, is pretty much led by liberal, insane liberals, and notably uh, Heidi Heitkamp's brother who plays radio show host. I, I think he owns it or owns interest in it and just sits there and bashes anything conservative. Um, you know, he's like totally like hiding under his sister's skirt and winging that, right? So anyway, this state senator, Oli Larson, he has a business. Uh, he's a great guy, well-educated, well-rounded, strong conservative guys, like all about the Constitution. Uh, I would say he's a centrist constitutionalist, if anything, rather than just saying conservative or liberal. Anyway, so he posted this photo of Omar on his personal Facebook page. And this rabid blogger named Rob Port, who's been blogging but gets paid by a liberal rag, 70 grand a year to blog. Anyway, so he's he's their local blogging... so, so, oh my gosh, I can't, I'll, I'll stop. So I don't want to be mean. So, um, but it's infuriating when you see communism and unicorns being plastered all over your media because they are trying to destroy this man for putting that up there. It's like a unified effort to destroy it. And this is what the Democrats do. Now he obviously took it down. He was like, damn, they like took it seriously, you know, whatever. So that wasn't good enough. This blogger wrote another one saying, oh, you know, he took that down. But, you know, now he posted this, you know, post that says a vet over a terrorist. Hope the people get off the couch and take time off work to go and vote her out. Because there is an Iraq war veteran, Chris Kelly, who is running against Ilhan Omar for the seat in Congress. And he's like, we should get a vet rather than this elected jihadi. A hundred percent. That is something I would post. That is something the president would say, too. All right. We all know this. But instead. But instead. This blogger, who apparently him and Heidi Heitkamp's brother set the tone, right, are so infuriated. He was, like, it, I almost thought he was crying when he was writing his post. You know, and here's what he said. Just to be clear about what we're talking about, Larson made a post last night, which he claimed Rep. Omar is or was a member of Al Qaeda, Uh, totally is. And it's actually Al Shabaab, which is part of Al Qaeda. He has since deleted that post, but subsequently created a second post in which he also refers to her as a terrorist. This is unacceptable. People who do this sort of thing aren't fit to hold elected office. Well, Rob Port, she is under investigation. She will be going down. Her husband divorced her, not for this sham affair, because it's a sham sham, it's because he made a deal to stay in this country with his kids while she gets exiled. She entered this country with a false name, false pretenses, committed immigration fraud. It's all coming down. So Rob Port will have to eat his panties while he cries for writing this. People like Ole Larson, saying Ole was wrong. Let's let's pretend Ole, I'm wrong. You're wrong. The whole world, you know, uh, the Muslim clerics coming out and claiming that Omar is, in fact, a plant of the Muslim Brotherhood. They are coming out and saying it. They are offering evidence to Homeland Security and ICE and the FBI against her. Say all of us are wrong. Right. All of us are wrong. It doesn't matter. This is the United States of America. I could say whatever I want. And if I want to post that she's an elected terrorist and I have an office in my state, well, so be it. People that align with me will either accept it or not. You know, that's the way it is. Why do people feel like they need to demonstrate just what you're thinking? Well, isn't this the same woman that said that Israel should be destroyed and that they're evil? Isn't this the same woman that was dancing and laughing at 9-11? Isn't this the same woman that said... Let's play that clip.
5: CARE was founded
6: after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did
0: something and that some people did something. CARE is a terrorist organization. It's been under scrutiny and in the courts for decades. But, you know, when it came to the crunch to actually nominate them as a terrorist organization, guess who went into office? None other than Barack Hussein Obama. So this is the thing the bias and the fake outrage. I mean, remember how, what was it, like two, three days that they were talking about how the president had two scoops of ice cream? How shocking that was. Yet here we have a former senator of the state that talks about hanging the president from a tree. On national television, which is, she should be selecting her words more carefully because it's a national platform, not her personal Facebook. Okay? With a lot of clout and a lot of ears especially when you're on national NBC TV and anybody can watch you, right? No one says anything. No one came out and said, hey, Heidi, you should apologize for this. Do you know that that woman, when she ran her campaign, she posted publicly hundreds of names of people that have been victim to rape without their permission. Some people that were in a group and they were talking and her staffer infiltrated it took their names, guys, and put it in a newspaper as part of her ad, how she's with them, you know, with all this Kavanaugh stuff. And she didn't do anything. Where is that? Where are these women? Were they paid off to shut up? Were they offered jobs? This is how they get away with things like that. They, You know, if I was raped and I was in a confidential group with other rape victims, and I'm talking about it, And I haven't told anyone. I would hate for my name to show up in a newspaper. Right, guys? Yet she did that. Nobody talked about it. It was just erased. Never happened. That's exactly what the mainstream media does. It covers, they are the PR firm for these corrupt people and they help dogpile because today the Washington post put out an article about him sharing that fake photo of Ilhan Omar. And you know what guys I'm, I'm happy they did that because I want more people to see it because people are going to be like, wait a minute, it kind of looks like her. I mean, I wouldn't say it isn't her, but kind of looks like her. And instantly what the Washington post just did now. Okay. Is put that image of a terrorist Ilhan Omar in their mind subliminally. See what I'm saying? So it's a catch-22 for them. But regardless, this was just to demonstrate. Now, Just listen to this. Oli Larson, well-loved in the conservative community as a Republican, right? And that he stands for the people. Not one person came out to say, All right, man, I share cat videos and fake news and everything on my Facebook. (laughs) Who cares? This isn't news. Not one person stood up for him. Not one person said he's entitled to his personal opinion. You don't like it. Get off his Facebook page. Not one person, you guys. Not one. That shows you who's really for the people and who's not. Standing by and watching your partner in creating legislation that supports the Constitution falling down and not giving a hand speaks volumes because they're all out there on their virtue sword in the state of North Dakota. I'm for gun rights. I'm for free speech. I'm for transparency. But then they vote, you know, like you can't see my emails with state agencies, right? They're all liars. And here's where you see the ones that are really about the people, the ones that stick together, right? We don't see a lot of those in D.C., do we? We see just a handful. Just a handful. It's the McCainers that are now the Grammers, right? And then it's like the actual public servants, like Jim Jordan, Nunes, uh, you know, uh, Meadows. Like th- th- all these people, like they've grouped so we can see who are the real conservatives. It's the ones that are really talking. And anyone out there retweeting, oh Lindsey Graham, I've been on here for almost a year, telling you he's a clown. I've been on the Internet and writing things about Lindsey Graham for years. He's a clown. Just because you see the president retweet him doesn't mean anything. People are like, oh, I listened to this guy on the radio or this guy on TV. President retweeted them. So who cares? President retweeted the New York Times fashion person. Doesn't mean he likes her. Doesn't mean he uh, supports their work. Even if he'll retweet their book. It's just him using them for the sound bites that tell his story because he's tired of saying it himself. All of us should be out there voicing our praises for what he's done for our nation Uh, because no one else is doing it. It's horrific. It is horrific that he has to sit there and, and tell people, I did this. I'd rather use tools and idiots tell the world what I've done rather than me constantly having to say what I do. You know, they censor us. Censorship. Ah, oh, so insane, right? Shadow banned. Disconnecting, you know, your services. Playing with your website. My website was completely down. I really have to get that fixed. Um, but it's back up. Uh, you know, marking you as spam. Uh You know, creating dog pile pockets of talking so much smack about you uh, out, you know, singling you out. And you know what they hate the most people like President Trump, people like you, people like me. They're like, I really don't care what you have to say. You could say this. You could say that you're a loser. I'm not. Thanks. Goodbye. That is the only thing we could do because that infuriates them because they have no power over us. Now. When I say they have no power over us, they have absolutely zero power over us. It's it's what you make it, you know. It's either you or them, and you have to decide. And I think a lot of these, you know, people that are now in the Republican Party, the GOP, which, mind you, I want to say a lot about the RNC, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut for now. We have to understand that um they themselves have insurance policies on them. So it would have been better if they feel bad about what they're doing that they step down like Thornberry. He doesn't feel bad. He just doesn't want to go ousted in the public. He just wants to be arrested and thrown in jail quietly like that Pennsylvania guy and the other guy in California, right? Just quietly, you know, not to bring shame. So people need to understand where we are as a party. It's not really a good place, is it? And I feel like the president is telling us, where are you guys? What are you doing? Why aren't you sticking together? Let's do something. And I've been saying this for forever, haven't I? You know, for forever. I've told you to watch who you follow. And you know, I had one person back in December email me And I'm going to try to find it. I had someone back in uh, December of 2018 email me and say, Cassandra Fairbanks is such a great representative of the conservative voice. How dare you ouster? Well, didn't she just tweet the other day that she's voting for Tulsi? You have no idea. She was a plant from the get-go to get into Assange's head. Assange, yesterday when he was moved, he went because they were discussing the extradition. Not happening yet. It's happening in February. And, you know, he's just been poisoned with these thoughts. Honestly, guys, think about it for a second right now. I'm going to pose this question to you. Do you really think that President Trump is going to throw Julian Assange in jail for exposing corruption? Yay or nay? In your heart, tell me what you think. Obviously not. Because he is the one for transparency. But, you know, no one wants to talk about truth, do they? No one wants to do that. That's the problem. Now, I want us to roll into a little bit on this voting stuff, but before we do, I want to talk about NASA again, because we talked about it yesterday. I hope you got the hints on that one. Take a listen to the President's 30-second statement about how great things are going with the all-woman spacewalk.
4: Well, Christina and Jessica, I would like to, if I could, uh, just thank you, Jessica. I know that you've been doing this, and you've been working hard, and Christine, I've studied your resume it's really incredible what you've done what you've both done your lives have been incredible and now you're in a place that as i said uh, very few people will ever get that experience you're doing an incredible job this is a first step uh, because we're going to the moon and then we're going to mars well well, christina and jessica i would like
0: we're going to mars i'm just saying i'm just saying just pointing that out Mm -hmm. so anyway Shifting gears, I want to play a little bit, um, some important parts actually about the House Judiciary Committee and their hearing, uh, on securing elections. You guys, um, it is uh, super telling. Take a listen.
1: Uh, y'all are stalwarts in the American system of government and the rule of law and, uh, I would have to disagree with some previous statements made that uh, some individuals within your organizations were responsible for hurting your organizations. I think that uh, an individual who is the President of the United States was the one that caused it by questioning those people's actions and down to take making statements that were adverse to both the FBI and the Justice Department, which we should uphold. I yield back the balance of my time. Anyone yields back
7: the gentleman from Florida? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I wish this truly were a sincere hearing on election security. If it were, we might be marking up some of the bipartisan legislation that members of the committee have worked on, including uh, House Resolution 3529 by Congresswoman Murphy, Mr. Deutsch, Ms. Mercurial Powell, myself, to have greater connectivity prior to any intrusion, or we might be marking up the legislation by Mr. Robacliff, Mr. Himes, joined by Mr. Collins and Mr. Khanna, uh, 32, 38, that would create greater consequence for those who engage in election interference. But that's not what this is about. This is about smearing the president of the United States and validating the corrupt people who have been involved in delegitimizing his historic election. And we know that because just moments ago, the chairman said that Peter Strzok was acting in the highest traditions of government service. Now, Ms. Flores, I believe you currently hold a job that Mr. Strzok once held. Is engaging in an extramarital affair in the FBI with a co-worker acting in the highest
6: traditions of government service? (laughs) You go. I'm not going to comment on that, sir.
7: Well, are there any regulations of the FBI against it that you're aware of?
6: I'm not going to comment on that, sir. Well, <laughs> UCMJ does. Job,
7: are you saying that you don't know whether or not it's against FBI policy to have an extramarital affair with a coworker?
6: Sir, I hold a, a slightly different job uh, than Mr. Strzok held on the DAD over the intelligence branch. He was over our operational branch, not that we are held to a different standard. I'm just not going to comment on whether or not Peter Strzok's behavior was well, out of is content. It,
7: it, is it in the highest traditions of government service at the FBI to engage in affairs with coworkers? You should know that if you work there.
6: Sir, I'm not going to comment on that. Wow.
7: Well, uh, maybe I'll <laughs>
4: ask you
7: another one. Uh, in, the inspector general said in his report, we did not have confidence that Strzok's decision to prioritize the Russia investigation over following up on the mid-year-related investigation. Uh, so if the inspector general didn't have confidence in the way that someone prioritized something, would that be acting in the highest traditions of government service?
6: not going to comment on that. Sir, I'm not going to comment on that. I
7: knew it! Inspector General further said the OIG found it's not only indicative of a biased state of mind, but even more suspiciously implies a willingness to take action to impact the presidential candidate's electoral process. This is antithetical to the core values of the FBI and the Department of Justice. If someone, anyone, is uh, engaging in behavior that is antithetical to the core values of the FBI and Department of Justice, is that person acting in the highest traditions of government service?
6: Sir, we have an entire inspection division. We have the OIG. There are several measures in place that that take into account those questions. I'm not going to answer those questions from the position I am in.
7: It's it's just really striking that someone in the senior leadership at the FBI, like an unwillingness to be critical of conduct that was so detrimental to our country. And as people all over America are looking at the corruption that negatively impacted our president and the institution of the presidency – It doesn't really inspire confidence that current officials from the FBI say, hey, you know what, it's a bad idea to be having affairs with your colleagues and to be undermining the trust that people have and to be prioritizing investigations over politics. But nonetheless, here we sit. And in fact, here we do sit. You know, it was more than a month ago, Mr. Chairman, that you announced an impeachment inquiry in this committee. And I believed you that our committee would be engaged in that process. But as we sit here today, three other committees are in the basement of the Capitol, conducting secret interviews, engaging in selective leaks. you got Chairman Schiff then coming out and having his theatrical reproach.
0: Oh, wow. Um, so I just want to say Nadler has arrived. He looks very low energy. I'm going to pause that right there. We're going to get back into it. And over the break, I'm going to tweet out my article about the King of Jordan and quid pro quo. Um, and we'll uh, get into that. We're going to talk about this coup because this is how you execute a coup. Meetings in a basement and going to make deals for dirt. I'll see you all just after this short break. Real news. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So where we left off in the first hour was talking about this election, uh, you know, hearing about voting, about what is it called? They're saying House Judiciary holds hearing on securing elections. And we spot Nadler. I spy with my little eye. Nadler, who has been missing in action, very low energy. He was deposed. He was deposed, and that's coming too. Uh, take a listen to just the next statements that are being made here.
7: Performances of transcripts that didn't really occur, and you've got lies about contacts with whistleblowers. Now, regardless of how people feel about the president or this impeachment, one would at least think, that if the chairman of the Judiciary Committee announces the launch of an impeachment investigation, that members of the Judiciary Committee might be willing to or able to participate in that investigation. But when I've gone to participate, when Mr. Biggs has gone to participate, when others have gone, we've been locked out. So it is my sincere hope, and I asked this the last time we gathered, that you would take up the cause not just of someone's partisan ambition to impeach the president, but that you would take up the cause of our committee and advocate for our ability to participate, because one can only suspect that the reason that the House Judiciary Committee has been dealt out of the hand on impeachment is because Speaker Pelosi didn't like the outcomes that were going on in this committee when the the current chairman was running it. I mean, it, it wasn't a surprise to the country when you brought in Mr. Lewandowski, House Democrats looked like a dog that caught a car and didn't know what to do with it. When House Democrats brought in Robert Mueller, there were promises that this was going to sway the public, this was going to create a flood of support for impeachment. And that was obviously something that didn't hold to bear. And so please stand up for our committee, and let's stop with this busy work. If we want to mark up bills, let's mark up real bills.
5: I yield back.
1: Gentleman yields back to the ladies in Washington.
5: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I thank our witnesses for being here today. I would hardly call this busy work to protect our elections. So uh, I wish our colleagues on the other side would be as concerned with election security. Um, Back in July, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence released its bipartisan report on Russian interference in our 2016 elections.
0: Just so you guys know, this is J-PAL. So she's saying we're not concerned about election integrity. Their whole goal is how do we get these fake votes in because we're going to lose? How do we buy out secretaries of states across the nation, your city, you know, officials that are counting your ballots? How do we get them on our payroll? That's exactly what they want. But also they want to centralize it so they can dictate the rules because they can never allow something like this to happen again because they really believe that they are going to nail President Trump. And they know that they can't take him out JFK style because it'll be civil war and the capital will be the first one to, to fall. Right. So we know this. They know that. So they're very, very careful. They're like, ah, oh, military's going to come at us. It's going to be ah, oh. And then we have this clown, you know, former admiral kind of advocating for a military coup, which is like, what is going on? Right? This is dangerous. We're not paying attention. It's very dangerous. That's why it's important that we're as vocal as possible. Share, share, share content everywhere, far and wide on your personal, on your pages, on your groups, everywhere. Because the truth has to come out because some of these people don't even know half the stuff. They don't even know half of what's going on, because they just get spoon-fed. Take a listen to what j Powell says. Listen, this is really important.
5: Senate Intel found that, quote... Russian government-affiliated cyber actors conducted an unprecedented level of activity against state election infrastructure in the run-up to the 2016 U.S. elections, end quote. And they called for sweeping action to protect our 2020 elections. With Election Day just 378 days away, it's crucial that we move quickly. To my questions, all of you are responsible for various aspects of protecting our elections, and you're no doubt aware that a significant concern of securing our elections is that foreign actors will attack election reporting, or the results of elections. Take the following hypothetical. Florida reports that candidate X won after counting the votes. The next morning, Florida election officials report that the results were tampered with, and in fact, candidate Y won. What is being done at the federal level to first prevent attacks on our election results and second, if such an attack occurs to ensure public confidence in the reporting of our elections. Uh, Mr. Masterson, let's start with you and then move to Flores, Hickey, and Hoblin, please.
8: Yeah, thank you, ma'am. And certainly election night reporting systems, which are the ones you're referencing, are an area that we've worked with state and local election officials uh, to secure to understand uh, risk to. The first and most important uh, thing to understand uh, that all of the folks on the committee here understand is that election night results are, in fact, uh, unofficial results, that there is a canvas process that goes on after Election Day. And so uh, ensuring that voters have that information, understand the unofficial official nature of results and that there's an entire reconciliation process that election officials undergo uh, following election night to ensure the correctness. The second is uh, a top priority for us, and that's working with election officials to have auditability of the results and to ensure efficient and effective auditing uh, of those results. That's absolutely critical uh, to ensure not just the loser that they won or lost, but also to reassure the public uh, that their vote was counted as cast. And so that's two areas of uh, high priority for us, uh, working with state and local election officials to empower them to talk to their voters about the steps they're taking both to protect those systems, uh, but to really offer reassurance and transparency on the back end. And I know election officials take that very seriously.
0: All right. So here's the problem that I have with this. So you all know that we, when we vote, we have a curtain no one sees because it's private and we don't want our name on the ballot. Do you know, guys, why this happens? Because we don't want to be lynch mobbed for who we vote for. And that is of outmost importance. But here we have them first of all saying that they want to find a way where they're working with election officials to audit. I agree. Paper ballots, period. How many voters are qualified to vote? 10,000, 10,000 ballots, right? But then how does the person that voted know that they were there? Because they are the only ones that would know which ballot they picked, So the idea goes, let's pretend like in my little city, there's, um, there's only 20,000 people that are eligible to vote about that much. Okay. Qualified. I'm just saying, uh, I think it's like 30,000, but I'm just going to say 20 for the sake of this, you know, idea. So you have 20,000 ballots and they're all random, you know, just there and you go and pick it up right? You pick it up. We don't need to make it easy for you You want to vote. You make the time and it's going to be open 24 seven and you pick it up. So when you pick it up, no one knows which one you picked. You just take it out. I mean, obviously if they count, they'll be able to see, but you know, we can have someone auditing that process so we can have a camera that no one's kind of trying to see what you pick, but you pick one and it's got a number on it, right? You're the only one that knows this number because you picked that card out of the whole deck. And this all happens. I guess maybe the last person will know. But you know what? Maybe we can say that the elected official or somebody else, you know, that doesn't mind, like maybe the mayor of your city or someone takes their ballot and the whole world would know that was their ballot for that time, you know, but it won't be publicized. But the government will know. So here you go, it's election time, and you go down there with your ballot that you have, that is numbered, that is assigned to the citizens on that voter list, and you drop it. And then, like he said, and this is an excuse, but it's kind of true, they canvass the votes so they're not official because when they actually count them, it's official, right? So you kind of get a hint of, you know, how many because they count the ballots, blah, 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 blah. And they need to be able to audit it. How do you audit it? Well, I said we have numbered ballots, 1 through 20,000. For some reason, I only have 21,000, I have 21,000 ballots. That's a thousand ballots more than what I'm supposed to have. Or, I have a duplicate ballot of number 35. Oh, dear. So I just put on the website, hey, if you're number 35, there was a duplicate. Would you please come and present yourself? Or, you know, I'm going to have to count it as invalid. And you as a voter, like for me, say I had number seven, I would go online and see seven voted for this, 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 you know, because I know my number. I'll look at it. It's on a list. That's how I would feel comfortable that it gives some anonymity, but also gives your ability to see that your vote where went where you asked and that it was cast the right way and that if there's any funny business, let's pretend I had ballot seven and some two other clowns replicated or had some fake ballot with the number seven, you know, and I'm really, you know, adamant about my vote counting. I might step forward and say, all right, um, so I'm the one that got number seven. I don't know who else got it, but it was definitely me and this is what I had. And I signed for that. Here's, you know, the little, you know, tear off that I have proof, blah, 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 or something. I think we should do something like that. I think we should do something where there is, uh, you know, privacy and anonymity up to a point. Because let's be honest, the ballot computer box, everything's recorded. So when you walk in there and you push that button for Trump, you know, they know it's for Trump. So they can go back and see who it is. So it's not really secret anyway. Right? Let's be honest. So we can kind of um, minimize the risk of it being um, fudged with. And I agree with that. But here, the concern that I have is that the Democrats are trying to bring it to a point where it's centralized by them that they control it. I'm just going to play a couple more minutes so we can get into the Pelosi um, uh, you know, fishing expedition. Take a listen.
5: Anybody want to add anything?
0: I would just add that in in the circumstance where we know or have indications that a state's being targeted, it's really important that we get to state officials at the right level and, and with a sense of urgency so they can do whatever they can to mitigate on
5: their systems. Mr. Holland?
9: I would echo what... Uh, Mr. Masterson said and add that at the Election Assistance Commission, uh, you know, part of the work that we've done is is uh, host IT trainings for election officials, which is relevant to this topic, uh, work with them on improving audit processes uh and certainly think that the issue you raise is one of real concern. There are a number of responsibilities that election officials have, and I believe that the Election Assistance Commission should be more empowered to work on those. But the reality, as I mentioned in my opening statement, is that we're a $7.95 million agency. We have one lawyer. We have one financial person for... Uh, since its inception, the Election Assistance Commission has been kicked around like a political football, and we've never been empowered or funded in a way to actually help election officials in the way we can. And I think that right now, in this time, we see the need for the federal clearinghouse that the EAC was created to be, and I would just ask you all to help make that possible. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Um, Mr. Masterson, as a senior cybersecurity advisor um, how have you engaged with local, state, and national media outlets to ensure that unofficial vote reporting is protected from malicious interference? What media networks specifically have you met with and have any refused to meet with you? And what new measures are you taking in 2020 that weren't applied in 2016 and 2018? Yeah, thank you, ma'am, for the question.
0: Wait a minute. Regulating reporting, are you paying attention?
8: Uh, the first is that the Associated Press, uh, the team that handles the election night results for the AP uh, on election night, is a member of our Sector Coordinating Council, which is the private sector uh, council that we work with on providing support and services, information sharing. So AP has been an active participant in that coordinating council to understand threat and risk, steps that they could take to secure their results reporting, uh, and I know is taking that very seriously. Uh, secondly, uh, is we held a tabletop exercise with members of the national media prior to the 2018 election to talk about what are scenarios that could play out, how is information being exchanged not just with state and local officials, but social media companies, the political parties and others, in order to ensure that uh, media have access to the information they need before they report on results or, or other items. Uh,
0: Are you listening to this? This is Gestapo. This is like 1984. They're meeting with social media companies and national media. Are you paying attention to coordinate what information they give us? Listening? Because I'm surprised no one's up in arms right now. Even where it was on YouTube being streamed live, nobody was even talking about it. They're just talking, time to nap, Nadler. Oh, yeah, Trump 2020. Oh, yeah, it's the Russians. No one's listening. Listen to what they're telling. They're telling you exactly what they're doing.
8: Heading into 2020, uh, we anticipate uh, engaging media outlets individually uh, and then having a tabletop exercise again heading into the 2020 election to work through those scenarios and ensure they have the information they need. Thank
0: you very much. Work through scenarios. Very much.
5: Okay. General yields back. The gentleman
10: from Virginia. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to thank the witnesses for being here, and I too am concerned about foreign interference in our elections, and have co-sponsored uh, Ranking Member's Bill HR 3442, uh, which would amend the Immigration Act to uh, provide that aliens who have engaged in improper interference in a U.S. election are inadmissible to and deportable from the U.S. And uh, also co-sponsored 3238, Mr. Ratcliffe's bill, which would prohibit interference in voting systems under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. I want to go ahead.
0: Any illegal aliens or any aliens voting, automatic deportation. You hear that? That's already in the law. So I don't know why we had to re-law it, right? Remake it valid. That's in law. Period.
10: And ask, um, Ms. Flores, in your testimony, you say that. Uh, We do know that our adversaries are actively trying to influence public opinion and electoral processes in advance of the 2020 election. You've mentioned in your testimony influencing public opinion through various social media activity. What electoral processes, uh, what efforts to interfere with electoral processes are you aware of at this time?
6: So, Sarah, thank you for the question. As we're into 2020, the one thing I want to highlight is that countries like Russia and China, they pose a pervasive and persistent threat. It's not just based on the electoral cycle. Their foreign influence operations are essentially always present. When it comes to the electoral process, you, you can look at something as voter suppression, um, the whole concept of pushing out false information, of highlighting uh, places to vote that are actually not true, this whole concept of disinformation that we've really seen the Russians focus on. Okay, that, not, that in and of itself can interfere with the electoral process.
10: Okay, but nothing to the uh, extent of uh, actively trying to hack into or interfere with electoral systems?
6: To date, so we have not seen anything specific regarding hacking into the electoral systems of the 2020 elections.
0: Okay. All right. Um, thank
10: you. I'm going to yield the remainder.
0: Okay, so very specific here. First of all, she said China and Russia would do this. So. Let's be honest. Do you guys really think that China wants President Trump next term? Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, they don't. So if we see any Chinese interference, who is it for? The Democrats. Obviously Biden, if he was going to go forefront. But I'm telling you, I said it before, they're going to throw their chips in. If they're smart, to gang, that's one of the timelines. And they should have done it. Now they're just trying to pull apart votes from everyone. They're typically annihilating themselves. But that's number one. So they're like, yeah, they spread disinformation. So I guess all of us are going to be Russian agents, kind of like the thing Hillary does. You know, you're know, you a Russian agent. You're a Russian agent. Everybody's a Russian agent. Tulsi's a Russian agent too, even though Podesta was prompting her up and Podesta and Hillary are super tight. So this is all fake news. They're just doing it for the show, okay, to ramp up conversation and get plants, like Cassandra Fairbanks to jump on that panel, uh, on that train, right? So we have that. And now they're discussing, Oh, uh, he asked, have they hacked? Do you think they're going to hack our electoral system? Or do you have any evidence? And look at her words. Careful. We haven't seen any evidence for the 2020 elections. No, duh. 2020 is not even here. So they're not hacking our systems if it's not here yet. Because we don't even know who's on the ballot. So that was a dumb answer. It was a nothing answer. So <laughs> let's t- – this is really important, you guys, and no one's talking about it, so it's about time we talk about it, right?
7: you
10: my time, Mr. Gates. Thank the gentlemen. let go, yielding. Mr. Gates.
7: Uh, Mr. Chairman, I have a series of unanimous consent requests that set up my question. The first is a request that it be entered into the record, an email from Nellie Orr to Bruce Orr on the 30th of May entitled Reported Trove of Documents on Ukrainian Party of Region's Black Cash Box.
5: That objection.
7: Uh, I also seek unanimous consent to enter into the record New York Times article December 12, 2018, Ukrainian court rules Manafort disclosure caused meddling in U.S. election.
1: That objection.
7: And uh, finally, uh, also from December 12, 2018, from the Kiev Post, update publication of Manafort payments violated law interfered in U.S. election Kiev court rules.
8: That objection.
7: Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So what's happening is that the DNC pays uh, a law firm to hire Fusion GPS, which which hires Nellie Orr. Nellie Orr then sends an email to her husband about issues with Manafort and the Ukraine. That then works its way into the U.S. election dynamic, and a court in Kiev ruled that the activities to disclose the Manafort activities in the United States, proximate to the 2016 election, constituted election interference and was illegal under Ukrainian law. Is there anyone on the panel who has a reason to disagree with the conclusion of the Ukrainian court that that constituted election meddling?
0: Badass question. Yes or no? Man, I love you, Matt. Let's listen to, to the answer. Well, just listen.
7: Okay, so no one has reacted a, a, any basis to disagree with the Ukrainian court, and, and the record can reflect that. So my question to, uh, to Ms. Flores is, what are we doing as a government to prevent future election meddling uh, like that which Ukraine engaged in, where information was disclosed in the United States unlawfully in in the foreign jurisdiction and then entered into the bloodstream of our politics?
6: Thank you, sir, for the question. So I'll harken back to what I said previously. So the FBI certainly is not in a position to police content on the Internet. That being said, if the FBI...
0: Wait, listen. So first, they're doing tabletop conversations on how we vote, where to vote, and what information we put out when it's election day, but they're not going to police content, okay? You know, because Nellie Orr, Hillary Clinton, Perkins Coy, Obama for America, the Democrats, the DNC, funded Nellie Orr, Well, Daniel Jones funded Fusion GPS, who then, you know, was paid by Perkins Coy, who is the representative of Hillary, Obama and the DNC, to have Nellie Orr, who sat on the Russian desk with Marie Yovanovitch, the former ambassador to the Ukraine, to dig dirt and leak it into the local media. And then it just so happened to fall on everybody else's lap. But that's not election meddling, is it?
6: can identify a foreign actor, regardless of country, who is trying to push out disinformation with the end goal of sowing discord, disrupting our electoral process, and it's done in some sort of a subversive or undeclared or criminal manner. That's where it becomes an investigative interest to the FBI. The trick, sir, is identifying that, that known foreign actor. Again, we can't work back from content. We cannot police content on
0: So it has to be a foreign actor. So Nellie Orr doesn't count. And does the media in the Ukraine count? Are you seeing Nikki Alores telling you how we don't police content? So if it happens, oh, well.
6: On the Internet. So if we find that foreign actor behaving in foreign influence operations and part of that operation entails disinformation, the FBI will work with the social media providers to provide as much actionable intelligence as we possibly can.
7: So in this case, it looks like we must know the actor because a court ruled that the disclosure of the information was illegal. And so is there anything that the FBI is doing now to follow up on the decision by a Ukrainian court that there was illegal election meddling in the United States that emanated from the Ukraine?
6: Sir, I can't address anything related to the possibility or existence or non-existence of an FBI investigation.
7: It would seem, I think, that my, my colleague from Washington, Ms. Jayapal, said with so few days between now and the upcoming election, it is just, I know you can't comment it maybe on this setting, but I hope sincerely that this Ukrainian election meddling is being identified and, and being pursued by our government. I yield that.
0: What? So he asked her blatantly, we know the actor. They've been identified in the Ukrainian court. Are you doing anything about that? Like, since you told me that you have to find the foreign actor, well, now we have the foreign actor. What are you doing? Are you seeing this, guys? Now, I just want to tell you, um, I'm going to be publishing this. A very high CIA official, the CIA, I'm telling you, needs to be gutted. And I said that before. We need to destroy it just like the OSS was destroyed um, and take it out because this is where the lines get blurred between intelligence and law enforcement. A high-ranking CIA official, and we're not talking about Brennan. We already know he's in hot water. But someone that worked with him um, was questioned by Durham. And they immediately lawyered up. And all subordinates lawyered up, too. We got a CIA now filled with desk jockeys and field operatives and communicators with our five-eyes and nine-eyes partners that have lawyered up. This IG FISA report, we're delaying it. Just listen, because we need to have an indictment come to. The people of the United States will not allow another IG report that shows blatant illegal activity like the one with Comey, where it was completely legal, and not have someone go down. So um, one of the indictments least is going to be coming. That's already been picked. I'm just telling you. This is expanded completely. And my insider tells me a lot of heads are going to roll a lot. And so, you know, we have to be really, really patient and careful. Now, after the short break, we're going to jump on the Schiff and Pelosi train. I'm going to go over the article that I put out and the one that I'm going to put out, um, you know, within the next couple of hours. I'll see you all in just a bit. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says show, and this is the last half hour. I just wanted to say, um, our president is going to be in Chicago on October 28th. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if something dropped? the day he's in Chicago in Obama land, I'm just saying. So um, I wanted us to go through um, a few things uh, in regards to Adam Schiff and Pelosi. And the reason we should visit this is because uh, Graham made um, a really weird statement that You know, rang really true as I was parsing through my communications, uh, with, uh, people, uh, you know, in, uh, how would I say, in other countries, uh, my sources, uh, in Afghanistan, my sources in Jordan. Uh, so we all know that the quid pro quo as far as the Ukrainian officials has fallen flat. It's deflated. It's BS, it's done. They're banking on something else. So when you want to demonstrate that someone did something and they're doing something bad, you need to find a pattern, right? So Pelosi and Schiff went out on this expedition trip with two stops. First they went to see a king, then they went to see you know the scum of the earth terrorists um, and a president. But they did so in a very covert way because their application went under the radar. The chief of our Pentagon, you know, Mark Esper, didn't even know they went until they hit Jordan and was told by our people in Jordan that they were there. And more so because King Abdullah was pissed. And I'll explain it to you. Because when I spoke with reporters that cover the royal family, uh, one of them is actually a huge fan of Queen Rania. You know, uh, she's so gorgeous, too. Um, uh, they were like, dude, it was the most awkward meeting ever. It was not good. And I'll explain to you why, because my article uh, that, 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 that my editor published, uh, you know, that was published on Luber.com after my editor went through it, (laughs) um, tells you, I'm going to walk you through it because I can't on document express to you just how shocked they were. And I asked to play a clip, but you know, (laughs) they're scared and all. But, um, so I promised that I wouldn't and I never do. I never break that promise. And always when I interview people, I'm very straightforward. I'm like, I want to put this, are you okay with it? Because I believe in being fair and honest, right? And even though you want to talk smack about someone, if you get them on the record, you should give them the same, uh, level of trust that you would give to someone that you like, you know? So if I was like, for example, interviewing Lindsey Graham, who I loathe and he's a snake, I would then send him, I'm going to put this, uh, part of our interview are you okay with that? And he would tell me I'm not okay because of the context or I am. And then that way I just won't publish it because I have to honor that. Anyway, <laughs> I digress because this is really exciting. So my friend who is one of the Queen's biggest fans said at some point the tension was so bad that that you could see the king looking at his entourage and his interpreters that were around, even though he doesn't really need one, like get them out of here, like now. And that is where they started appeasing him. She said it was so bizarre. It was so awkward because then, you know, Pelosi and Schiff were like, "Yeah, you know, so you've been ruling Jordan for like 20 years, and you've done such a great job, and we just want to make sure that we're helping Jordan on everything." I'm going to tell you what they did. They what they did is quid pro quo. What they did is against the law. Here's what they did. So they snuck out of the nation on a supposed bipartisan delegation. And we all know Thornberry is a rhino and he's not running for his seat again because that's what the rhinos do. Like the president said, they bow out or we get them out with egg all over their face that is permanent, like a Sharpie marker on your forehead that says loser. So they go to to the king and they go to him and say, so, you know, I know that Jordan has like a problem you know, you guys want uh, to have a two party state solution so you don't have to constantly have all these Palestinians running through Amman, using your highway, dirtying your highway, causing commotion as they go in and out of Palestine to avoid entry through Israeli uh, borders and that they go through their Palestinian territory borders. So you keep pushing this two party state and President Trump loves Israel. He's going to annihilate the Palestinians, if you ask me, which is not something the president said. He's all for two-party, two-state solution. Let's figure it out, right? So what we'll do is we promise that the minute he gets out, we'll have legislation that supports a two-party thing but you need to tell the world just how bad the president is. You need to tell us what you guys discussed. Did, you, did he give you any dirt? Did he say like this? Actually, it didn't go so into detail. It just went, we'll get you the legislation if you tell us how you really feel about the Syria pullout. That's exactly what was said. Word for word. And he said, well, you know, uh, what is important here is to maintain the borders of Syria. He answered that question. Pelosi insisted. She insisted. Well, it was very careless of the president to pull out and, you know, leave you guys there. You know, because you border on Syria, this is going to cause a refugee problem, instability. You're going to have ISIS. Well, no, we kind of agree with him. Uh, it was good that he left. Uh, Russia and Syria can take care of it. It's important that we reinforce the Syrian borders and help Assad and Russia deal with the problem correctly. What we want is a good two-party state solution. And what we want is to maintain Syria's integrity. She didn't like that answer. So she pushed it another way, right? Well, do you think that a US president should have remained in Syria because he's causing great instability in the Middle East N- no because if we can maintain Syria's borders and we allow Russia and Syria to deal with it it should be rectified she was not happy and the more they tried it, tried to bait him for a soundbite to go against the president the more annoyed the king was getting and even on his um announcement On his own announcement, he says His Majesty King Abdullah, accompanied by His Royal Highness Crown Prince Al-Hussein bin Abdullah II, met on Saturday with a delegation from U.S. Congress headed by U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The meeting held as part of ongoing outreach with U.S. Congress, Senate and House representatives cover the cooperation and strategic partnership between Jordan and the United States, as well as regional developments. Speaking at the meeting attended by His Royal Highness Prince Faisal bin al-Hussein, King Abdullah expressed appreciations for the United States continuing support for Jordan in a number of fields, commending the U.S. Congress's position towards the kingdom. Discussing regional issues, foremost of which the Palestinian cause, telling you exactly why they went there, His Majesty stressed the need to reach a just, lasting and comprehensive peace on the basis of a two state solution, which guarantees the establishment of an independent Palestinian state on the 4th of June 1967 lines with East Jerusalem as a capital. Turning to the Syrian crisis, here is the key, the king urged the political solution that safeguards Syria's territorial integrity and the unity of its people while guaranteeing the safety and voluntary return of refugees. The meeting also covered regional and international efforts to counter terrorism with a comprehensive approach. For their part, the U.S. lawmakers commended Jordan's effort led by his majesty in pursuit of peace and stability in the region, praising the king's wisdom. Can your nose get any browner? They expressed keenness to hear the king's perspective on regional and global developments. They wanted to hear his perspective. Pay attention. He's telling you. They were trying to get me to opine, adding that they are pleased to be present in Jordan as the kingdom marks 20 years since his majesty assumed his constitutional powers. Huh. They expressed their keenness to hear the king's perspective. What does that tell you? I mean, the king is telling you. And here's the kicker. I was told by the press pool there, the Jordanian press pool, not the U.S. one, because nobody got back to me on that one for their staffers that were doing, um, that there's transcripts of these conversations. The fact that they offered legislation for two-state Party, you know, two-state solution with Israel and Palestine to satisfy, you know, the Arab Kingdom's needs, the Jordan uh, needs, because they are Palestinian-friendly. They've been, they've got eons of history, you guys, together, just like the Israelis do with Jordan, just like the Palestinians, just like the Assyrians. They all have history together. You know, all of these nations have been mentioned in the Sumerian tablets. We don't even speak Sumerian anymore, okay? That's how far back they go. They go way back, right? So here we have them offering votes, votes for his perspective on regional and global developments. You get it? Throw President Trump under the bus publicly. Talk about the Ukraine thing. Talk about the rubbish he's doing in Syria. Talk about the instability, how he's killing the market with China, everything. And we'll give you this. And you know what he said? Uh, I'm okay with him pulling out of Syria. I think it's best that we fight our own fights because we've been doing it for a very, very long time. I agree. So this came out of, you know, um, the, the the kingdom's press announcement. Literally tells you that they were kissing his tush to get dirt on President Trump, to get sound bites, to get him to say something. And then they went to um, Afghanistan and here's how Lindsey Graham changed his tune. Take a listen to what he said.
3: Donald Trump is the most unelectable Republican I've seen in my lifetime. My party is going bat crazy. I want to help him. I hope he's successful. Now I find him to be a handful. I find him to be an equal opportunity abuser of people. But at the end of the day, uh, he can be very charming. You know how you make America great again? Tell Donald Trump to go to hell. You don't have to run for president and be the world's biggest jackass. I think his campaign is opportunistic, race-baiting, religious bigotry, xenophobia. No, I don't think he's a xenophobic, race-baiting, religious big columnist. as president. What President Trump has done is historic, so if you don't like me working with President Trump to make the world a better place, I don't give a shit.
0: So here's the thing. This is the Lindsey Graham over time from 2015. Lindsey Graham that also, listen to this... In 2015 said, and I quote, um, you know, that um, he uh, d- that President Trump, I'm sorry, he said to the King of Jordan, I'm sorry, Trump doesn't represent America. This is from 2015. He said, Repub- it, 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 this article was put out by Yahoo. I've already archived it, so we're good. And it was a response to CNN debate moderator Wolf Blitzer. You know, the guy that was on the Lolita Express with Epstein. So excited to see Rupert Murdoch that was getting head from a little girl on the jet. Yeah, that that Wolf Blitzer. Um, uh, he was citing polling data. Uh, showing that a lot of GOP voters support his, uh, Trump's position. And Graham literally focused on the camera and said that the, that, that Trump, his remarks, um, a coup for the, Isla- it was a coup for the Islamic State. Like, that would be a bad thing, but anyway. And so, <laughs> South Carolina, South Carolina actually supported, uh, Lindsey Graham in this, which is pretty insane. And, You know, he continued to say, you may think this makes us safe, but it doesn't. The good news for everybody in this room is that after 36 trips to Iraq and Afghanistan, most people over there aren't buying what ISIS is selling. This is a religious war between radical Islam and the rest of the world. And there's only one way we're going to win this war. Help people in Islam who reject radical Islam to fight over and destroy this ideology. That's right. Arm more Muslims right? That can be easily radicalized to eradicate the radicalized one. Oh, super stellar plan. (laughs) That's exactly what someone who wants war to be endless says. He said, Donald Trump has done one, has done the one single thing you cannot do. Declare war on Islam itself. ISIS would be dancing in the street. They just don't believe in dancing. This is a coup for them, Graham declared. And to all of our Muslim friends throughout the world, like the king of Jordan and the president of Egypt, I'm sorry. He doesn't represent us. If I'm president, we will work together. People in the faith through all over the world. Lindsey Graham really wanted to be president, didn't he? (laughs) Lindsey Graham, what a tool. Take a listen to what he said on Sunday on CNN. Come on, CNN, your servers aren't that busy. Nobody watches you anymore.
3: Are you open minded if more comes out that you could support impeachment? Sure. I mean, I mean, show me something that 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 is a crime. If you could show me that, you know, Trump actually was engaging in a quid pro quo outside the phone call, that would be very disturbing.
0: That interview was recorded on Tuesday. Guess what? Did you hear that? very specific. If you could show me that Trump was doing something quid pro quo outside the phone call, okay, outside the phone call, then sure, show me. I'd be game for it. Okay, so number one, they're trying to get through to get the Ukrainians to frame him to testify and say this happened. That's number one. It's kind of failing because the Ukrainians are under hot spotlight and we're still holding, uh, you know, we're still holding the the keys to the kingdom with the IG FISA report. <laughs> we're like, we won't redact. We'll put it all out there. Oh, dear. So we've got the EU telling the Ukrainians, don't piss him off. He'll drop this and we will be destroyed because he has a lot of people, um, you know, uh, out there and it'll be public, and we're going to be in trouble. So the next best thing is, all right, since we can't get the Ukrainians because Durham's all over there and everyone's gone, that's our people, and we can't figure this out, uh, we need money, and let's go to Jordan. Uh, Let's get the King of Jordan. Let's convince him that we're going to tone down the Israel-U.S. relationship, boost up the two, you know, offer him some votes, And, you know, get that, you know, kind of sorted and have him go against the president. And then we'll go to the Taliban. I know he was going to meet with the Taliban and the president. Ghani. I mean, President Trump told us, didn't he? He said, look, I canceled the meeting at Camp David. I was going to meet with the president of Afghanistan and the Taliban to kind of mediate a solution between them. And remember, you know this from me, because obviously the mainstream media is not educating the people, uh, the Taliban are actually a political party in Afghanistan. And right now, you know, the president of Afghanistan, all right, I'll recognize you as a political party. Where do you want your headquarters? And they're like, we want our headquarters in Qatar. And Afghanistan's like, that makes no sense. Um, that's not right because we don't need Qataris involved in our business. It's kind of like the Democrats saying, we're going to have our headquarters in Mexico. Well, that's weird. We don't need the Mexican government, you know, funding or in imposing themselves on U.S. politics. So what are you doing? And, you know, this is basically what's happening. So Pelosi and Schiff and their delegation went to find the Taliban to get them on the record or find something or manufacture something outside of a phone call. To say that it was quid pro quo. Um, Did President Trump offer you like money and he said, I'm not giving you money if you don't do this? Did President Trump say that he's going to give you guns or planes if you do this? Even though we know the conversation he was going to have with the Taliban and President Ghani was to mediate, right? That they were going to talk to each other and have a discussion so they can find some common ground because this is where all this dichotomy in Afghanistan stems from is that the Taliban used to be a political party. They were weaponized by our government and <laughs> So they could do a jihad with the Chechnians uh to Russia, USSR, you know, Russia. And then they got radicalized, and then we had Osama bin Laden, who was trained by our farm, right? He was an agent, out there radicalizing them for that jihad, and that's where he got radicalized himself. This is why I said <laughs> no matter what, at some point, if you're a devout Muslim, you have that risk. It's like Being an alcoholic and having wine in your face every day, you know, you just have to take that one sip and you're right off that wagon. Right. So that is exactly how it is, where it's that fine line of taking jihad literally and going forward with it. So why would you arm more Muslims to, you know, jihad? That's that's the thing here. That's what we need to understand, because you know, as society grows, you know, religion isn't taken as literal, like nobody from the Bible sells their daughters for cows anymore. Right. We don't do that. And, you know, if you, if you, if your friend accidentally shoots a BB gun and takes out your eye, you don't go and take theirs too. Right. (laughs) I'm just saying, um, literal, you know, usage. This is where we're at. So Lindsey Graham saying this is that the plan is, is to find some outside evidence that can be manufactured to indicate quid pro quo. Now with their trip to Afghanistan and what I learned from three different sources. Okay. It's possible that the meeting that he had at Camp David was purposely canceled. With the excuse of an attack that may, you know, that happened, um, to, I, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't know how I'm going to say this without revealing my source. So this meeting was interfered with for our benefit, I believe. And that is how I'm going to put it, um, because, they brought that interference because they didn't want a solution because they wanted to get the afghanistan of uh, afghanistan's president and the taliban to say or present something about the president that would be considered mm, wrong i mean how do you do a coup right so they orchestrated that and we know they did it and from one of my sources Pelosi and Schiff are being set up so um it's going to pan out really interesting what they did in Jordan is what they tried to do in Afghanistan and Esper was right there kind of like a roadblock that they were able to circumvent but not really So what we're going to see now is a rabid introduction and a push. This is a coup. When you're going to other nations trying to get dirt on your president that you can use against him to overthrow him, manufacture it, promising them a two-party solution for the Palestinian and Israeli conflict, right? This is a big deal. I don't see why nobody is talking about this. Everybody knows about it. The king made it apparent. Their media is talking about it. Yet here, we're just pushing this Ukrainian dead horse that they really, really want and they can't get. And Lindsey Graham, you know, is a, is a dog whistle for the left. And they wanted him on the record to say, yo. Yeah, if you show me evidence outside of the phone call, you know, I'll consider it. This is what they do. They prop their own people. You you can't trust anyone right now. But I just want to assure everyone that things are in motions, Things are happening and things are evolving the way they should. They never thought she would lose. They have no idea how meticulous and calculated this is. If you were, um, paying attention when I wrote my article about the Secretary of Commerce, you have to think to yourself, just how long has this been planned? That is what, uh, you know, people need to kind of focus on, because we have CNN foaming at the mouth. Ex-CIA official says Putin has benefited from Trump's foreign policy. Yeah, he has. Guess how he's benefited? Aside from the fact that he dropped the dollar and he's turning into gold, turning to gold for trade he's finally not you know the villain people are acknowledging the fact that he has a mutual defense agreement with syria oh and by the way did you see those chemical weapons rear their head again this time it was turkey using it against the kurds you know because last time when we were pulling out we had to kill everyone in assad's regime so chemical weapons don't pull out now we pull out and it's like oh my gosh the turkish people are attacking us with phosphorus because now the eu wants us to annihilate turkey And they're like, forget it. Let's just get rid of them. And we're like, oh, no, we're going to team up with them first. (laughs) It is awesome, you guys. Just pray. See the president, every time he has a cabinet meeting, he says a prayer first. It does a lot. On that note, I want to wish my daughter happy birthday and wish all of you a great evening. God bless from everyone at Red State.